how he can play that guitar with his feet and the drums as well. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Anyway, my name's Gordon Dallas. Welcome to Whiskey Unscripted, brought to you by IMD. The maestro himself, the Mozarts of the timpanies, is in the background. Gordon Dundas, are you there? I'm very well. How are you, Mr. Dallas? Welcome to week 10 of lockdown. It is an amazing uh, statistic. 10, 6, 60 days, 10 weeks. Gordon, how's the whiskey cupboards? Must be getting empty. Must be nearing yeah, empty. It's, it's still got a little bit in it, you know. Still, uh, you know, tippling through different ones responsibly. So, uh, yeah, no, it's still got a bit of stock. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm you know, nearing nearing empty as many people's uh, whiskey cabinets will be but uh, hoping for replacements very soon what have you been up to this week sir not much gordon just basking in the glow of a couple of weeks ago of our facebook live appearance um oh, yes. yeah and we're getting lots of nice comments from last week's podcast with emma the blender from imd so lots of good please keep your comments coming in well i mean i think the thing about why we wanted to, to get emma on is is you know, there's so much to understand about, you know, making whiskey, but the blending of it is is the real art. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. So it was great. Emma was brilliant. So that was fantastic. Excellent, Gordon. Whiskey unscripted. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the next uh, section. Well, we do, because you've conducted an interview with one of your old colleagues. I have. And obviously, to sort of celebrate, uh, normally at this sort of time, Facial would be on, uh, which is the... Isla Whiskey Festival, and um, if you've never been to Isla, it's an amazing time to go. It's very difficult to get accommodation at that point, but the, 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 it's about 3,000 people on Isla, but it doubles, if not triples, at the time of face shield, um, and it's a, it's, an, it's an amazing time, and it, you know, it would be on currently, but obviously all the uh, Isla is shut down, locked down completely. I don't think they have any cases on Isla, which no. is great, so they're very keen to keep that going. So. So face shield has been cancelled, but there's a lot of online activity that a lot of the distilleries are doing. So, so I managed to get a, a few minutes of John Campbell's time, who is the distillery manager at Lefroig, and um, I mean, you know, a legendary distillery. Uh, John's been there for many years. So we're going to hear from John in the coming minutes. Can I just ask you there, Gordon? I have yeah. never been to Isla during the festival. Have you? I have. So I used to work for. Um, Bowmore initially, and then Bowmore and Lefroy became under the same stable in a company called Beam Suntory in 2014. So um, I've been to Isla many times during the festival, probably about five or six times. And generally the weather has been stunning um, and uh, hot, and you welcome all these wonderful visitors, literally from all over the world, uh, who are there on their pilgrimage, their Isla Peated Whiskey Pilgrimage, and, you know, you have fans of all the different distilleries. Every distillery has a particular day. Um, and, um, you know, they celebrate all their sort of, you know, wonderfulness of each distillery and the history. And they release their, their bottlings, which, of yes. course, are hugely popular. Tell us about this, Gordon, because this is the stories you hear of people queuing at midnight well, or even later for these bottlings. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think probably, to be fair, the one that's most legendary for that is Beaumore. Um, I mean, they, they all have their fans and people queue because there can be very limited releases. But mm -hmm. I mean, I remember one one year at Beaumore, um, people were queuing at probably three o'clock in the afternoon of the day before <laughs> Beaumore Day, and they and, 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 and you know they are 
they are after you know a very limited Bowmore, which um, you know they're very keen on. And you know, I'm not suggesting everybody is standing there to 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 buy the bottle and drink it. Unfortunately, some of them are obviously there to maybe sell it and make yeah. some money. And can but, you make um, money? Can, can you still? I think could you, you still. Well, yeah, no. I mean, you can. You can. These bottles are very rare, very limited, and um, similar to the Speyside Whiskey Festival. There's some whiskies, you know, whiskies that we release up there that are very, very sought after as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of the experience now of Bowmore is the the the, 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 the queuing and the and at all distilleries, but in this the queuing and the chat and the overnight element and the. You know the distillery works very hard to make it as easy for people so it's a very very it's all part of the facial experience and and if you ever get the chance to go to isla oh, actually to be honest the best time to go if you just want to have a chilled out time maybe isn't when the when the festival's on but um it, it it's a great time to go uh, anytime i love isla and i, I you know I, I really love the love the island What's your highlights, Gordon? What would you just point out if you were the well, tour guide with your clap on and you're at the well, ferry terminal? I, mean, I, I got the chance to conduct a tasting with John Campbell once, which was which was really really fantastic. John is John is such a, an ambassador, such a key component of what Lafroig stands for, um, and that was that was fantastic to do a tasting with John in in one of the warehouses. But I think. Probably, I mean, I, one of the problems I've always had is I've always had to go for my distillery days, so I don't see a lot of the other wonderful days that a lot of the distilleries put on. Brookladdy Day is, is legendary. I think theirs is on a Sunday, um, uh, so they've got they have a fantastic sort of entertainment, and and people love Brookladdy Day. Every day is different, but for me, I think my best experience was to be able to go into the number one vault warehouse at Bowmore. Um, and listen to Eddie McCaffer, who's the distillery manager at the time, and Rachel Barry, who was the blender at the time. She's now at Glen Glasser and uh, Ben Riak and uh, Glen Dronach. Um, and and they, they, they opened some very legendary whiskies called um, the, the, the Trilogy, Black Bowmore, Gold Bowmore, White Bowmore. These are 1964, 5th of November. I know these whiskies quite well. Um, and it was probably one of my top whiskey experiences. And these are some of the most sought after whiskies in the world. And there was 10 lucky, only 10 people in the, in the, in the warehouse, very exclusive. And what an experience, amazing whiskies in this legendary warehouse. Uh, well, fantastic. So that's that, was, that was great. Gordon, you've hit on a little concept, a new feature that we'll be doing in the next coming weeks. Exactly that your moments, your whiskey moments. And that sounds like one of your whiskey moments. Uh, and I'd love to get people to email and contact us about their whiskey moments. I'd love to read them out or get them on because people, everybody that loves whiskey has a moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, your whiskey moments are a combination of great whiskey, but also who you're with, where yeah, you are. At connect. And, uh, no, Ayla has, you know, uh, not been during the festival, Gordon, but say, uh, love to always any conversation about whiskey isla comes up for example even here one of my very good friends jerry went off to work in the peat zaria in isla just decided that's where he wanted to work so he took himself off for a year and worked there serving pizzas that is how they spelt it yeah uh, i know i've been there have you been there you might have met big jerry yeah. he, and I, I, you know really good year across there <laughs> and i was at my daughter's dance show and the guy next to me had dropped fifteen thousand pounds at the festival the yeah, it's easy year to do. 
Oh, his wife was there. She said to him, tell him how much he spent. And he said he was not the only one. In fact, that wasn't that much compared to what other people were spending. I'm like, really? Amazing. No, I mean, it's, it, it is incredible. And, you know, you could go to, you could easily spend that. If you've got a distillery bottling from each of the distilleries and some of them do a more expensive one, very limited, like two, 300 bottles. And they can be sort of, you know, four or 500 pounds. Um, and um, then they'll do maybe another version that's a little bit cheaper and a bit wider release. But it's very easy if you're a if you're a if you're a, a peated whiskey fan on Isla to be a bit like a kid in a sweet shop, as it were. So yeah, fantastic place. And if you've never been, people try and get to Isla. Obviously not currently. Uh, exactly, Gordon. Before we hear from John Campbell, just a couple of things we'd like to carry carry on. Uh, have you got any news before we move on? Well, I've got a year to change whiskey. I do. I, well, I do have some news. Um, actually, talking about facial, as we said, was going to be on. Kilhoman released their facial, and I'm their their bottling. And um, firstly, I think the web the website crashed despite trying to up the bandwidth. This just shows you the popularity of these things. But it's actually something you mentioned to me. They, they, they seem to have slightly sort of, from a facial perspective, missed off a little bit of a, I don't know, a bit of punctuation. Yes. What are they called? Yeah. Accents? I think it's be accents. I'm sure it's a Gallic term. Yeah, just yeah, above the, the e. word. Yeah, so it was it, off the word. So that why F-E-I-S is pronounced fish. Um, and, they, uh, and somebody picked up on this and... Um, in a certain, um, I can't remember. Is it is it in Gaelic? It's great Without room. the accent, it means something completely different. <laughs> so, yes, right. Uh, nocturnal activity, but not to do with well, it could to do with whiskey, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's a, a slight unfortunate yeah. spelling. Yeah, yeah. So that was a bit of fun. Somebody noticed that. <laughs> um, another couple of things which I think is great, and you know, we're all very conscious of um, our partners and friends in whiskey bars and independent retailers and independent sorry bars and and um and things like that whiskey auctioneer along with daft mill have raised thirty-five thousand pounds which i think is great to support independent bars within scotland so so full marks to them and and you know a lot of whiskey whiskey uh businesses along with us uh, you know uh, have been doing their bit to uh to to try and support this as much as we can so full marks to uh full marks to those guys for that um, and the other thing that I just wanted to mention is uh, is uh, is the Our Whiskey Festival, which I caught a little bit of um, online last Thursday. Now, this is run by a lady called Becky Paskin, who used oh, yes. to run ScotchWhiskey.com. She's been running these festivals, um, which she had Richard Patterson and Bill Lumsden on last week. And, uh, you know, really, really great um, experience, even just to listen, even though I wasn't lucky enough to have any samples. And... Uh, just a shout out to her in terms of doing this from a, a, a charitable perspective as well. So, yeah, great to see the online activity happening. And uh, I think a lot of those fans of Facial will be seeing a lot of action in the next, well, as it is, as we're probably speaking, um, on uh, all those different brands doing their virtual stuff from the island of Isla. So, I'm concerned about the bandwidth of uh, the internet on Isla. I don't think most of them have got dial-up. Before we head to John Campbell, I thought we could just squeeze in a quick year that changed whiskey. Oh, I love a year that changed whiskey. Just, just before you start, Gordon, yes? I know that you, you, you always like to go into these years that changed whiskey, ensuring that your vocal cords are of a suitably uh, refreshed or suitably, oh. uh, suitably moist. 
So, um, what are you drinking this evening? Gordon, I have to drink something from Isla, and I don't have any of the named brands, but I have got one that Ian McLeod does, which is one of my favourites. It is the Smokehead High Voltage, which is more peat and full uh, strength. And I'm just going to get it down up here. 58%. Really, really lovely. Very rich, Gordon. Very creamy. Wonderfully peated. So that's my salute to the island of Isla. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I thought obviously in in celebration of having John Campbell on the show, I would drink a Laphroaig. And um, I mean, it's it, it, obviously quite a unique style. And, and, and as John will mention, highlighted for me particularly in the 10-year-old, which I don't have a bottle of. So what I do have a bottle of um, is a bottle of Laphroaig Four Oak, which is actually a travel retail whiskey which they produced, uh, mm-hmm. something that I worked a bit on um, with great whiskey. Four Oaks, just talking about the different type of casts that it used. But again, that peaty style, quite spicy, nice and light, lots of vanilla and fruitiness and just a lovely, lovely Laphroaig, but has that lingering, as we know, that lingering Laphroaig sort of peaty style. So uh, just oh, sucking on a little bit of that. Slange of Agua. Wonderful. Slange a smokehead Slange. high voltage and a four oak Laphroaig. Wonderful whiskey yes. to see us through. Before we head to John, just a year that changed whiskey. My throat now replenished. You're absolutely right enough. Uh, and it really goes to around about the year 1295. In your head, mm. take yourself to 1295. It might the 1296, the historians aren't exactly too certain on the date. It's the marriage of an Irish princess called Anne of Cahane marrying the Lord of the Isles, Angus Og. And that marriage saw the retinue or the train or a group of followers of the princess. And they, in English, the family were called the Beatons. And the Beatons came in with Anne of Cahane and they settled on the island of Isla, round about Kilhoman. And they were what were called Arabians. They were bringing in the Arab texts uh, of, of alchemy, of medicine and of distillation. And it said that this is really it's where the Irish whiskey, the Irish knowledge entered Scotland round about 1295. And the Beatons became physicians to Robert the Bruce and to kings of Scotland right up till uh, James the Fourth and James the Fifth, But for hundreds of years, the Beatons were um, experts in distillation. Right. So that possibly, possibly, is when mm. Scotland's embraced uh, Aquavite whiskey through Isla and oh. through that family from Ireland. Wow, that's fantastic. And again, I'm amazed how you just knew all that in your head. I mean, just sitting there <laughs> in your sauna, just reciting all these wonderful dates. Um, Fantastic. I never get out of the sauna, that's why. I just stay here all no, the time. No, that's very true. Gordon, would you mind setting up, we've talked about it, teased it enough, would you mind setting up yes. your uh, interview? So let me just say that um, when, when I when I interviewed John, I, I, I interviewed him, uh, the sound on it is a little bit dodgy in places, but uh, you'll get the, you'll get more than the gist of what he's saying, in fact. You know, it's just one or two things that you'll be... But, John, John is, as I said, um, he he lives and lives and breathes Lefroig, and he really, um, you know, he has so much interaction with the friends of Lefroig, which he will talk about. 
He has so much um, focus on the products that they produce. Um, and as a and, and also the style. And if you look at a lot of Lefroig's marketing, it really sets it up as explaining what Lefroig is about. So we're going to talk about all of that. So, well, yeah, well, I'll let's hear from John. Get my whiskey and listen to this one. Take it away, Gordon Das and John Campbell. So here on Whiskey Unscripted, we have a good friend of mine uh, currently on lockdown on the island of Isla. Um, Mr. John Campbell, Distillery Manager of Lafroig, how are you? Hello, hello, Gordon. How are you doing? Nice to reach out to civilization again. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of feels like, do you remember the oh, Naked Show or something like that, the OHBC News? Yes. It feels a wee bit like that just now. Hello, hello, this is Isla calling Civilization. So, yeah, no, I, I can I can imagine, and uh, it's uh, you know a lot of people might want to think that that Isla is is the perfect place to lock down, obviously with its all its distilleries and things, but maybe it's not quite as uh, quite as sort of um, romantic as that, I guess. I think probably is, and we're, we're very lucky here. There's no recorded cases. So that stretch of water is an amazing thing as well. But it, I, I, we probably feel like everyone else will just like. Taking deep breaths, swallowing it, we know it's the right thing to do, uh, and we look after uh, fellow human beings as well. So it's just, it's just, just getting tough. Really. It's just getting hard. Uh, to yeah, indeed. Away. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as I was, you know, it's it's what we're sort of in our eighth or ninth week now, I think, and uh, yeah. uh, you know, I think the whole country's beginning to get a little bit restless and just. Uh, you know, really keen to see some movement on it, but you know, we need to we need to think of the greater good, of course. So, absolutely, um, I really want to do this once. <laughs> we don't want to be back in this same well, situation. That's very true. Government. That is very yeah. true. Absolutely. So, so John, obviously, Lefroig. You know, I've I've worked with you in the past. Obviously, a great, great brand, a wonderful whiskey, very distinctive in its style. Yep. You've been a distillery manager there for I'm not it's a significant amount of time. Is it about twenty something years? Uh, I've been at the distillery for and twenty six years now, and been the the manager since uh, two thousand and six, just over fourteen fourteen years. So, so you've been at the distillery for twenty six years. Were you always in whiskey? Was it always something you wanted to do, or was it something that sort of came about? Obviously, you are an Elik, so from Isla, so. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I was a lobster fisherman first, and that was Ooh. a great job, uh, and loved doing that. It was earned a lot of money uh, at that point, mm-hmm. certainly as a single man. Uh, <laughs> all I had to do was uh, cater to my own needs. Things progressed, and basically had a partner, and looked to get a mortgage, went to the bank, and they wouldn't give me a mortgage, so I thought, oh, right said no more like steadier job like monthly wages etc and so came to Lefroig, uh kind of looked about the island thought like into Lefroig, that would be the one to get into because it's always been kind of the biggest well in my lifetime it's always been the biggest brand on the island so thought right that that would be the one to try and get into managed to get in took a wage cut of half to get a job at Lefroig, really poor job at first as well, just putting the numbers in the barrels. But believe it or not, I could get a mortgage. So that was the kind of driver 
but researched it a lot before kind of coming in this way, and it's turned out to be a great decision. Absolutely. Well, look at look at where you've come from and where you are now, and and you know as you say, um, Lafroy is you know one of the well, there's nine distilleries of course on Isla now, but um, you know Lafroy arguably one of the most distinctive of course were you a fan of Lafroy drinking it before you went there or was was that one of the main drivers or was it just because it was Lafroy that you were keen to no i couldn't drink Lafroy when i started at Lafroy it was uh, <laughs> no it was just too much for me uh, a taste i have definitely acquired though absolutely oh, for sure going to love it and Lafroy for a lot of people is is a little bit it's a little bit marmite. It's a little bit, um, you know, if you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, well, that's fine. You know, it, it's and and a lot of people aspire to drink a whiskey like Lafroy, I guess, as well. They want to go on a whiskey journey and 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 be able to drink a, a heavily peated whiskey like Lafroy. Yeah, and it's one of those things for me as well. Like once I understood how it tasted, the way it tasted, that was the kind of thing. So I, right, I knew I didn't like it. Well, why do I don't like it? What are the things that's stopping me liking this? Because mm. like, it's very popular, as I knew. Uh, and Peter whiskey, and you could see people coming to the island uh, for the love for this whiskey, even though they probably couldn't get to it back then. So people were coming, so I just broke it down. And what was it? What were the bits that I liked and didn't like? And then eventually, once I understood uh, the process like what went into it so I just kind of broke it down and then once you realize okay well yeah it can't actually taste any other way it has to be this way and it's actually a good reflection on this part of the island as well then you start to understand it and mm. learn to appreciate it more it yeah no absolutely I mean certainly I uh, I started to work with Lefroig in 2014 uh, um, having actually as you as you know worked with Beaumore before that and um you know, my uh, my appreciation of Lefroy really grew pretty quickly because I obviously liked peated whiskey, um, but but Lefroy was a sort of step up for me in terms of its sort of impact in the in the in, on my sort of you know senses and things. But oh, that you know, when I started to drink and regularly Lefroy Ten, I was I was hooked on it because it's got just this unique style. And you know, I think Lefroy Ten is is for most people. Uh, I mean, there's a whole range of products you do, but Lefroy 10 for a lot of people is is the real Lefroy style. Totally, I, I would. It's the heart and soul of Lefroy whiskey. I would say, whenever we're making a new liquid, it always has to. We always revert back to the ten year old, and that has, we we assume that to be Lefroy DNA. And so, making a new whiskey or a new brand or anything like that, it always has to link back to them. And I take it, I take it as as distillery manager, you know, with with Lefroy Ten being at the focus of it. That's the thing that you really want to ensure you can consistently produce going forward as well. You don't want it to be changing, and it's got to be as close to what it's been for as many years, if you know what I mean. Definitely, the values have to remain the same, uh, and yeah, my job's not to change Lefroy. I'm just holding the torch until the next person comes along so what i noticed about when i when i started working with lefroy was the was the amazing um friends of lefroy you have probably i think the biggest whiskey club there is for any brand i think and and they are hugely engaged with the brand aren't they yes no it's it's, it's 
definitely one of the things it makes us different as a brand. Uh, no, it's just great. It's just great fun as well. It's so many good things with friends of Stoic all around the world. Yeah. We will do events. We'll meet and greet. It's it's also great for the distillery as well and and the brand to get all that feedback as well. So mm. uh, we'll produce whiskies exclusively for Friends Lafroig as well. When they come to the island, we'll put them up in the hats, the scarves, the boots, and we'll send them out into the field with the flag of their nation mm-hmm. and then out into the plots. So it's good fun. They'll come back to the distillery and we'll give them rent for their square foot of land as well, and that will be a dram of their choice. So, And I think you can claim rent daily uh, if you feel for the week as well. So it's just, it's just good fun. Uh, we have allows us to engage people slightly differently as well, and some people take it to the nth degree with getting married in their plots, getting buried in their plots, uh, uh, just all sorts of different things, uh, and building wee houses, putting them in their plots, uh, <laughs> just just lots of just fun, just lots of fun around it. So uh, it's really good to have that for the brand as well. So good for people is amazing for the brand. And how many friends of Lefroig are there roughly? Uh, close to a million now. So we're just very close to a million. So That's um, we it's amazing. It's just amazing. As hmm. kind of, I guess the, the distillery manager that you get that opportunity and just good fun. So much good yeah. fun as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know there's such a following for Lefroig around the world. It, it really is an amazing brand that reaches all all parts of the body and the world as of whiskey as well. Um, I th- the other thing I was interested in is obviously, and, and we had it with Spirit of Speyside Whiskey Festival, which was unfortunately cancelled in early May yeah. um, from a Tamdu perspective. Um, Facial, obviously, uh, the Isla Whiskey Festival would be coming up, I think, this weekend or certainly in the next... Yeah, it starts to do it. It started on Saturday at yeah. Lagavulin, yeah. Yeah, so actually, yeah, so, yeah, it's it's on right at the end of May. And, and, and um, you know, obviously that's the opportunity when a lot of whiskey folk and peated whiskey fans and Isla fans and, and Lefroig fans, et cetera, et cetera, go to, the, go to the distillery and the island's population swells by three, four, five thousand people. I mean, a ridiculous amount. Yep. And, um, mm-hmm. It's a real tragedy that it's not happening, but obviously we know why. Um I take it uh, you've got a whole sort of load of things for people to engage with um, because of that? Yes, yep, we will have uh, trying to do as much as we can uh, virtually. We are putting press statements going out this week uh, with regards to what we're doing. So we're going to try and do competitions, we're going to try and, and engage people, entertain people, hopefully as well. Uh, so Simon, Brookin and I will be doing a live tasting on Lafroig's Day, uh, early evening, UK time. So we'll try and get as many people around the world as we can engaged in this. It'll also yeah. be available. It'll be recorded and uh, be available on the website. We're going to do lots of different things. A great team just focused solely on that uh, over the last couple of months as the reality of not being able to hold a festival kind of kicked in. We did. Mm. Uh, Judith, who you'll probably know really well, has been working non-stop to be able to produce uh, basically all the content for uh, an Isla festival. So we're 
we're going to have we're going to try and do as much as we can and bring it to people and entertain people competitions etc and talk with them again just good fun good fun good whiskey yeah no absolutely i mean I, i've been over many times and for those who've never been to isla uh, and certainly uh face shield is probably the busiest time to go um and maybe the toughest to find any accommodation but it's an amazing <laughs> sort of eight to ten days of every distillery has its own day and um you can go there you can listen to experts listen to john doing tastings and and and, and taste some wonderful whiskies and and take a bottle home and it, i mean it really is a a real community the isla community coming together for for a wonderful sort of eight to ten days of in uh, in late may it really is a tremendous time yeah and and you know i it's something which i um i i, I don't go to anymore i used to go there obviously when i worked with john yeah. and others and Bowmore, and uh, i don't make isla as much and i hit head more to Speyside and uh, which is a great part of the world as well. But I do miss my time in Isla. And if you've never been to Isla, you should definitely go, shouldn't you, John? Absolutely. No, and it means so much to Ireland as well. Uh, that week, in lots of different ways, there's a, there's, a, there's a big cultural element to it as well. So we need lots of uh, music around the whiskey as well. So there are lots of, there's lots of entertainment. There's so many companies come to be part of it now as well so it's just it's it's changed a lot over the 20 odd years uh, the the music festival started it turned into a malt and music and then whiskey festival and it's just expanded and expanded and expanded as you say there's so many people here as well and so many people repeat people as as well just because of the the atmosphere so there's always offshoot events as well because people will bring one of the great things about drinking whiskey is people want to share great whiskies with the people, their friends, their community yeah. almost. So they will bring lots of other different whiskies to the island and you'll see pop-up tastings happening all over the place as well. And it's just a, it's a real good feeling on the island. Yeah, we're, we're going to try and recreate some of that stuff for us. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, you like me, John, we're, we're all about whiskey is a social, social thing. It's a... Uh, and particularly, particularly on Isla, you know, before before we know, um, before we know it, we'll be back drinking great whiskey. Yeah, no, and absolutely. Maybe we just have to do double next year to make up for it. So a double Speyside Whiskey Festival and a double Isla Festival. Maybe we'll just double them up. So that, that's a great idea. We don't want people to miss out. <laughs> that's a great idea. We could just make the whole month of May next year. Do two yeah. weeks of Speyside Whiskey Festival at the beginning two weeks of Isla at the end. There you go. And then World Whiskey Day in the middle. Perfect. <laughs> World Whiskey Day in the middle. We'll come back to John uh, a little bit later as he talks us through uh, uh, one or two other things. Um, but, uh, you know, I was just thinking, obviously, um, Gordon, that we've we've been going now on this podcast for, we're on episode seven. We've actually done eight episodes because we did 5.1 and 5.2. Um Eight episodes in, Gordon. How do you think it's going? Uh, you know, it's a, a game of two halves. Uh, I, I think uh, <laughs> I think I can roll okay. out more cliches if you give me a, give me a few uh, moments. It's I think not it's over going, till it's over. I think it's going very well, Gordon. But what I think this episode needs uh, is that music in the background. And that music tells me we're on that alphabet. We're on that 80s Eds. Now, it's getting almost past I'm over on one hand. So I don't know what letter we're on, Gordon. Ah, I do. I'm keeping a track. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, we are. G. 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 We cannot go further. I mean, I know you shouldn't be putting yourself at the front of the A to Z of Scotch whiskey, but let's face it, Gordon. It's our show, so G for Gordon. I mean, that is that's part of it. There is, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, eight weeks in, Gordon, we we, 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 we we talked about a podcast, we've started doing it, and the frightening thing about it is there are even some people listening to it. <laughs> G for Gordon, and Gordon, we're not the only Gordon at IMD, that's what makes it um, quite confusing for no, many people. No, there's another GD as well, um, and we should maybe get the other GD, Gordon Doctor, on, that would be great, we could have a three GDs. Gordon Doctor is basically in charge of all of our whiskey, for want of a very... So he is our sort of direct whiskey director, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. I can't... I, I, yeah, whiskey director. And Gordon has been in the business for many years, um, but obviously uh, hugely respected within the industry and has a fabulous first name. Yeah, fabulous first name. And it's, before we move off of Gordon's, Gordon, how many times have I received <laughs> emails that were meant for you and vice versa? Oh, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. No, no, absolutely. And you've really got to stop going to that website. But anyway. Can I just um, say, I got, I got one about a, a month ago saying wonderful appearance on Dutch television. And I'm like, oh my, don't tell me the video will get out. Um, but it turned out it was you on a Dutch cookery show. I was on a Dutch cookery show. Yeah, I, it, it's, it was a bit, it's an extreme cookery show. Oh, yes. Um, and they sort of cook in extreme sort of places with extreme sort of ingredients. And they did this feature on Glengoyne. It was great to uh, great to have them on. And um, they, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got this message from a, a friend of mine in, in The Hague. He says, um, Gordon, I've just seen you on primetime Dutch TV. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's a shame. That's a shame for everybody in the Netherlands. But no, I think. It came off cross really, really well, and these are the kind of things that, you know, yeah, it's great to do, and it's great to uh, just widen the appeal of of, of Glengoyne and our whiskies and whiskey in general. So okay. that was, yeah, I think, but I think I'm not sure the Netherlands has recovered from it. it um, Were you not on the TV recently? I was, I was, well, and yeah. I have been stopped in the street, Gordon, by fellow dog walkers saying I saw by you. Policeman. And the right. <laughs> that's right. After I get bailed. Then I had a conversation saying they saw me in the great British menu, you know, so that was a, a, a three or four minute insert into the great British menu when the one of the chefs was making a flummery and they came along because he was cooking a flummery. What is a flummery? It's a, 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 it was one of the very traditional early puddings in Scotland. A flummery, it's like an eaten, an eaten mess, but got lots of cream yeah. and fruit. And it appears in Harry McClary from Donaldson Dairy's book. And Ross, the chef from a very fancy restaurant in London, whose name escapes me, was making a flummery with a 12-year-old, Glenn Goyne. Oops. Anyway, uh, van der Volk awaits you, by the way, for your next Dutch appearance. Gordon, A to Z's. G yes. for, can I say grist? For grist. Can I say grist, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Grist is the, um, after the barley comes in, you mill it down to get a lovely fine grist that goes through to the, the mash tun to be mashed. To make the wort. Getting your grind right is really important because uh, if you don't get it right uh, and it's not consistent, you won't be able to produce all the things that you need to in the next step, which is obviously mashing, which means that you then won't get the amount of fermentation that you're needing, which then it, it's a snowball effect. So yeah. what you find in a lot of distilleries is that only one or two people can actually touch the mill 
so that you, or adjust it because it's so crucial to understand uh, that the mill is the real sets you on your journey of making wine. Um, no, most distilleries. The great quick story about mills. Most of the distilleries have got Porteous mills, and Porteous mills were. I mean, these things were were made a hundred, uh, sort of eighty, ninety years ago in Hull. I think they were made in Hull. I think so. Um, and beautiful British engineering, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful sort of resilience, wonderful, wonderfully, um, you know, just keep on working and keep on working to the point that they worked so well that nobody ever needed to replace them. And uh, so the the company struggled as a victim of their own success, unfortunately. Um, and there's now this one gentleman who goes around most of the distilleries in Scotland who fixes them all because he's the expert of the Porteous Mills. But most distilleries have a Porteous Mill, I think. Amazing. And amazing. And that's yeah. a sort of lesson that I think most of uh, industry yeah. took and decided to make stuff that broke very rapidly. So that's we've went the complete opposite nowadays. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like my washing machine. <laughs> On you go, Gordon. What have you got for the G? I've got green malt. So... Obviously, you have barley. You then um, you then basically start the germination process by you put it through some waters, which is what basically tricks the barley into growing. This is all about changing the internal structure of the grain, allowing us to access ultimately the sugars. Um, and after it finishes that 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 ferment, that, the, sorry, that germination process, um, it's called green malt. Before you dry it, before you put it into the kiln to either dry it with hot air, which is what we use at Glengoyne and all unpeated whiskies, or you dry it with peat smoke, which is what these wonderful Isla whiskies do. And that's where that smokiness comes from. So the green malt is that is the changing of, from barley through the germination process. You get to green malt, and then after the drying process, you get malted barley. Green malt grist. And Gordon's, um, but Gordon, the A to Z's, we're going to do something special because G is a very important letter. It is. Now, what we obviously wanted to just go through, because I think it's such a well-known name, I guess, mm -hmm. in Scottish whiskey, is the word Glen. Correct. And now, Glen. One or two of our foreign visitors thought they were a family that controlled the Scottish whiskey industry. That's true. I've had yeah. that question more than once. But what is a Glen, Gordon? What is it? Yeah, you said to say it's not a family. I was thinking Dallas and a big white mansion where the Glen family met up to discuss the whisky industry. But no, Glen is a small valley. Gaelic for mm. a small valley. And the reason there's so many Glens is a small valley was predominantly where water would run through the um, location. So you built your distilleries or your illicit stills in those small valleys called Glens. Nice. Now, there's about 25 distilleries that have got the name Glen in them. Now, they run over Campbelltown, Speyside, Highland, uh, and Lowland. But, uniquely, not one distillery in Isla is called Glen. That is a fact. That is a factoid. That's a fact. I love <laughs> delivering factoids. So what we thought we would do, not to go through them all at once, we want to give you an interesting fact about each distillery that starts with Glen. You go first. Okay. I was beside this distillery at the Scottish Whiskey Experience for a whiskey fair in December, Glenallachie. Now, they're ah. up in Banffshire, and that is Billy Walker's distillery. Yes. So, not, not far from Tamdu, on the way into Abelard, Billy Walker, 
bought it, I think, recently from Perno Ricard, I think. Um, Billy, obviously, was um, a bit of a legend in the Scotch whisky industry um, and was um, uh, used to uh, own and work on Glen Glasser, um, Glen Dronach, and uh, Ben Riak. So that is Glen Alaki, just been released in the last two years. Great whisky, really, really nice. Glen Cadham. Glen Cadham. Glen Cadham in Angus, so just sort of north of Dundee area. So still a Highland distiller, uh, distillery owned by Angus Dundee. Um, so the same company as Tom and Tool. Um, Angus Dundee also do a lot of private label and, and bulk whiskey. Um, but uh, um, a, a lovely whiskey, Glen Cadham. And I think they're investing in their in a new visitor centre. So if you ever get the chance to go to just north of Dundee to Glen Cadham, you should go there. I think we should, because we'll be doing staycations this year, I think. Absolutely. So uh, another G in the 80s Eds, I've got Glen Dronach, Gordon. Uh, One yes. of the last times I was out in Glasgow, it was the Ben Nevis in the bar. Uh, daughters were at a dance show in the SEC. I went into the Ben Nevis, got a 15 Glendronach. The guys from Jack Daniels own Glendronach. But uh, yeah, no, uh, lovely whiskey, lots of sherry casks. You know, Tamdu, similar area, yep. both sherry casks, but, you know, quite different styles. Glendullen. So Glendullen is really a distillery that's um, it's uh, mainly used for blending, I think, but certainly it's been part of the Singleton malt range, Um which Diageo has released and pushes quite hard out in Asia. Um, but again, one of those distilleries that you don't see a lot of single malt bottlings just under the name Glendullen. But uh, there's a lot of distilleries in, around Scotland that you see these names and you go, I've never really heard of them. See, next one. They're the ones which are really main used for, for blending. Yeah, and that's the same for the next one, Gordon. And my list is Glen Elgin. Uh, yes. Morrishire. And it's also owned by Diageo and it's a blend I've never really come across. No, really you get, you, a blended you sometimes see a few independent bottlings of it and things, but uh, yeah, it's generally, uh, generally, you know, you know, these are distilleries that are not that well known. So, Glen Farkless, however, very well known distillery, independently owned, pretty rare, a bit like us, we're independent as well, uh, by the Grant family, and Glen Farkless is a uh, a beautifully traditional distillery. Um, on the, I sort of call it on the way into Speyside when you're driving up there. The first distillery you always go past when you drive up into Speyside is Tormore. Yeah. Um, and then actually just beyond that a little bit, just as you sort of head up there, is you're into Glen, uh, Glen Farkless up there on the right. Um, beautiful whiskey, lots of sherry casks. Beautifully done by that family, the Grant family. Really nice, Gordon. And I believe the visitor centre has been bedecked with some wood panelling from a very famous ship. I think it was the Empress of India. I may be wrong in that one. And Something like that, yeah. No, absolutely my last true. fact about it was the only first and only time I've run the Dramathon. I did the mm. half Dramathon which is a marathon round of distilleries of Speyside, it starts at Glen Farkless. And one of my most terrifying mornings was on the start line, nine o'clock in the morning, Glen Farkless, begging for a whiskey. Oh. Um, but that's that's, 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 a, that's a fact. So there we go. I bet you were. <laughs> Glen Fiddich. Glen Fiddich. Glen Fiddich. Take to Dufton. Uh, of course, that's William Grant's. And is this is this the biggest selling single malt Scotch whiskey in the world? I think it is. It's pretty pizzy with Glenlivet, I think, but I think Glenfiddich is currently the number one selling single malt in the world, probably about 1.2, 1.3 million cases. Wow. Just to put that into context, uh, we're Glen, at Glengoyne, is, we're nowhere near that. <laughs> so we're a lot less than that. So we're about probably 
oh, three, four percent of that. So it just shows you the the size of power of Glenfiddich. And uh, family owned by the by William Grant and Sons. Um, and yeah, look, blazed the trail for Scotch whiskey around the world. So you know, fantastic. And if you want a good story about Scotch whiskey and just the the type of people that created whiskey brands and whiskey distilleries, you could look no further than the William Grant story. I tell people to go and look Mm. it up. What a what a go getter he was. Next, Glengarry. A lot of people think it's Glengarry Och, Glengarry in Old Meldrum, um, which is sort of it's a it's a Highland whiskey, not far from Aberdeen, pretty close to Aberdeen. I think probably Aberdeen. Yeah, pretty close to Aberdeen. Uh, very Highland in style. Most easterly distillery in Scotland. Well, there's a so, fact. There's a fact. Um, yeah, love a factoid. Um, uh, most easterly distillery in Scotland. 1797, old distillery. Wow. Uh, owned by Beam Suntory. So, ultimately Suntory, but owned by them. And uh, great little whiskey. Very typically Highland. If you thought of whiskey, what's typically Highland style? Glengarry's about as Highland as it gets. So, beautiful, beautiful whiskey. Glenglasser, uh, up there in Portsoy. Uh, not yes. far from near Elgin, Portsoy. Yeah, it's, it's on the it's on the coast up from Elgin. Right, so right. lovely little place. It has a boat festival every year. Uh, again, uh, was part of part of Billy Walker's group, which which they then sold it to Brown Foreman a few years ago. So again, now owned by Jack Daniels. Great people working for them, and uh, a nice whiskey, really nice whiskey. Um, definitely one to just seek out and try. Ah, oh, number t- coming in at number ten, we have Glen Number ten, Glen Goyne. Where um, uh, we work for uh, Ian McLeod Distillers, and they purchased Glen Goyne in two thousand and three. They would become the fifth family to run Glen Goyne, which started in eighteen thirty three, with a, a family called the Connell family. And George Connell got his license to distill in eighteen thirty three. Uh, and it was called Burnfoot Farm in those days, Gordon. Many people maybe mm-hmm. do don't know that one, and uh, urge people to come when it reopens and maybe online soon to come to the storytelling tour when we get into the real detail of what happened to Connell and uh, the, the the four bears and the families that followed him right through to the Russell family that took over in two thousand and three. So an amazing uninterrupted story of distillation mm-hmm. from the thirties. 1830s right through to the present day. Why? There we go. Glad you know your product. Love a good bit of Glen Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Coming in next at number 11. Oh, my Lord. It's Glen Grant. Now, Glen Grant, 6.15 million litres of alcohol a year. I've just looked that up. 1840, established in 1840. Lovely distillery. Two things I want to talk to you about Glen Grant very quickly is a wonderful man called Dennis Malcolm, who's a legendary distiller there. Dennis has been in the industry for 50 years. I mean, just one of the nicest gentlemen you'll ever meet. I met him at an event where he was launching the Glen Grant 50-year-old. And he just said, here, have a sample of it. I was like, oh, thank you very much. Beautiful, beautiful whiskey. Um, very big in Italy, Glen Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, sell a lot of whiskey in Italy, uh, single malt. Um, uh, and do a really nice, I think, a five-year-old in Italy that sells really well. Why is it big in Italy? Owned by Campari. So, final one at the moment is, on you go, Mr. Dallas. I love the Glen Grant. We're going down to Campbelltown, to Glen Gyle, which is owned by the the Mitchell family, and they produce, among others, the Kilcairn single malt, the Glen Gyle distillery. Yes, Kilcairn's a beautiful single malt, and, uh, yeah, part of the same 
stable as Springbank, uh, J&A Mitchell, one of those rare Campbelltown distilleries. There's there's not obviously many of them at the moment. So so that is a great one to finish on. It's a great one to finish on. Um, that used to be such a big area for... In fact, that was the biggest whiskey-producing area in Scotland in the past. Yeah, Campbelltown. Over 30 distilleries down there. Yeah, wow. absolutely. And so, the person, by the way, before we come on, we're just having a chat with Kilcairn, the brand ambassador with a deep voice who's smaller than myself, Mitch. Mitch. I should have remembered because yes. it's the Mitchell family. <laughs> hello, my name's Mitch. Yeah, he's quite. He's got a very deep very, voice. Very deep Mitch. Voice. Lovely, lovely gentleman. Absolutely. Gordon, that's a great day to Z's. I think we'll have to get back to our uh, friends in the island of Isla. Yes, let's let's hear a little bit more from John about uh, Lefroig. So, what were you? Um, what were you? Did you have a little dram on World Whiskey Day? Uh, I did actually. Yes. Yes, I did. Good. I had uh, I had a Lafroy that was from uh, it was an old malt cask Lafroy, ah. and it was a twelve year old uh, in a refill sherry, and it was delicious, absolutely delicious. You always get that little bit of different style sometimes in in those independent bottlings of it, and uh, you yeah, know, yeah. I've tried a couple of Lafroigs from uh, you know Independence, and you just you just get a, a little hint of something different, which is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. What did you have? Um, I had I had a selection of things. I mean, I had a wee uh, Glen Goyne, um, and I also had a, I also had a little bit of the Karchis, which you think you sent to me very kindly. So uh, I had a little yeah, sip of that as well, which is which is a legend, bit of a legendary expression, Karchis, of course, isn't it? What what does that actually mean, and what does it? What, how did that come about as a as a whiskey? So Karchis started off as a single cask bottling Isla Whiskey Festival. In 2003, so it wasn't actually called Cartus at this point. Okay. Uh, and we just released maybe 170 to 250 bottles, but it was going so quick. We our festival bottling would last 20 minutes, basically, as long as we were selling it at the shop, and then it was gone. So it felt like, oh well, that's that's it over, and leaving lots of disappointed people as well. So. We kind of ramped things up in 2006 uh, when I became manager in 1994, and there were 600 bottles of that. Again, same same issue. Mm. 2007, we did a vintage 1989. Right, we'll do more of this. We did over a thousand bottles. Gone. So 2008, uh, we kind of came together and thought about this and started. Uh, right, there's five and a half thousand bottles now, but we'll release it at the distillery first, and then we'll. In the beginning of June, we'll release it online to Friends Lefroig. And so we thought, well, what are we going to call this? So I basically had a conversation with my gran and asking her about like different names and like what would friendship be in Gaelic. And so that's what Karchus is. So Karchus means friendship in Gaelic. So my gran came up with that name, uh, oh. used it for the 2008 bottling, and that's it's kind of grown. Wow. It's, and just what Karchus really is, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a bigger release now. There's about 32,000 bottles will get released. Mm-hmm. It just allows us to show a different side of the brand uh, mm. and what it can be. Some of them have turned into bottlings uh, throughout the years uh, that you will now maybe see in duty free, yeah. etc. So that will be released again this year. Uh, Becoming 
yeah, we'll be talking about that in the next week or so. Probably a lot more. You'll see a lot more about that, and it'll be a port and red wine cartridge of tea. Oh, yeah, fantastic! That's great, and and well done, Grand Campbell. Yes, I uh, know she was. <laughs> no, she's an inspirational lady, anyways. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of, um, and and I was always when I when I uh, sort of read up on the Freud, I was always taken aback by well, not taken aback at all, but I was always amazed how much influential women have been involved in the in the past of Lefroy as well, of course. Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, Bessie Williamson from 1932, she worked at Lefroy. 1955, became owner. Uh, did so much work, not only for Lefroy, but the Scotch whisky industry. She was a mm. Scotch, Scotch whisky association brand ambassador as well in the 1960s. She was yep. promoting Scotch whisky all over the world. Uh, especially in North America, uh, was a was a focus area for Bessie. So, but no, an amazing, an amazing woman, uh, amazing mm-hmm. person, uh, and I just she just seemed to have the knack of understanding like everything, and it's 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 amazing to think of that. So she understood social impact. It seems way ahead of her time. So about sustainability and about the community and about all of these things. She was talking about that in the 1960s. So yeah, it's amazing. Way ahead of our time, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and you know, you forget the amount of... And made great whiskey. And made great whiskey, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, set Lefroig up and, and made it sort of what it is now, which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and, um... No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's probably one of, one of the biggest things as well. And she, she knew fine that it couldn't be, a, like... In private ownership anymore, and that that itself, given like up on this project to let it flourish and be what it could be, I guess must have been a a very tough decision. And I guess one of the things that would tell you a lot about this uh, this uh, character of Bessie was in 1953 she won Woman of the Year in the UK. Nobody knew about this wow. until after she had passed. So. That it wasn't about her. It was never about her. It was always she always felt a great good either for the community, for the distillery, for everything. So she had an amazing attitude oh, and a great leader as well. Fantastic! That's amazing. That is amazing. I, I, why? Woman of the Year, nineteen fifty-three. There you go. Um, and you know, certainly, you know, Lefroy has flourished and it's become the you know the biggest selling Isla whiskey um, in in. In the world, um, you know, obviously key markets around the world would be, I would imagine, the US and and that, yeah. and then and then obviously around Europe, of course, um, and 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 Asia as well. And and what I think you're probably seeing this as well now, John, is that we 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 see that whiskey consumers are now drinking all a lot more different styles of whiskey, and what you don't really see people who only drink peated whiskey. They, they drink a whole range of peated whiskies and they put Lefroig in there and they put, you know, other peated whiskies. And there's, there seems to be more of a, a an appreciation of the wider whiskey, which is great. And Lefroig is a huge part of that. Totally. Uh, it's very much, uh, I can, to me, anyway, it's very much a mood thing. It just depends how you're feeling that day. Sometimes you want a 10-year-old cast-strength Lefroig. Sometimes... Adeline going, which is to me like the other end of Putin is yeah. exactly what you require. And you've, you've, I've tasted a couple of them with you as well, delicious. Uh, and so it just depends. It's sometimes uh, an Aberlour, 
sometimes. Mm. It just depends, a Highland Park, whatever. It's just a mood thing. Um, I'm as interested in whiskey as anybody else and love trying and tasting new whiskey and new things. So I would agree with you. If I look at the cupboard in my house, I will have a portfolio of whiskies yeah. uh, opened uh, right now. And it's just a, what, what day is it today? And look and try some of these amazing whiskies that we all produce. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I love world whiskies as well. I like bourbon uh, and I like, uh, you know, yeah, I like trying a whole range of different styles of whiskey. But I think what, and I, you, I, I don't know if you agree, but I think what, what, what really makes Scotch unique is the diversity even just within the single malt category. You can really try really light whiskies. I love Freud whiskey, which, you know, is at the other end of the spectrum and pretty much everything in between. Yeah, no, and it's amazing. Even within each brand, there's mm. so much diversity, and it's it's amazing to try uh, some of these other world whiskies as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, when you go to, I mean, we both spend quite a bit of time in the US, and you look at the, uh, you know, the huge growth of sort of craft distilling over there, and uh, yeah. you know, there's some amazingly interesting stuff that's been created in the US. Um, and and you know across you know from single malts to bourbons to other styles of whiskey and you get to taste them when you go over there yeah you know and even just speaking to these people it's so inspiring i was speaking to beth hart at Cackerton creek and stuff like that and just how they all start up and how they get going and what they're trying to do and the innovation they're bringing and what they're and each one is different old over hope rye which is a Pennsylvania rye, which is different from a Wisconsin rye, and all mm. of it. it's just so the variation of Canadian. Once you start scratching the surface of these and the layers within whiskey of each country, absolutely. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. I mean, I, I, I head out east as well, and you know, you go to uh, well, Japan obviously is a very unique sort of uh, yep. history in terms of whiskey, but even you know, you look at what they're doing in Kavalan. In, in Taiwan and you look at what they're doing in even in India you know with Paul John and Amrit and you look at the quality of some of these whiskies coming out and you're like you know them you know it's the same production process but the what the bit that really is different in these countries is the maturation because of the temperatures so actually they're getting a lot short shorter maturations but some of the whiskies are you know two three years old but they are amazingly sort of you know really really great styles no, totally, absolutely, totally. Two or three years, probably the same as ten years in Scotland, anyway. So yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And you know, you think of, you think of all those sort of, you know, in Scotland, it's pretty much, you know, it's not a huge temperature variation. We don't lose too much to the angels, but these guys. I was speaking to, uh, who was it? I was speaking to somebody from Amrit who was saying you lose seventeen percent a year to the angel share. Well, John. Um, it's been great to have a catch up. What are you, how's your week looking? It's a Monday morning, so I haven't asked you which dram you're drinking because it's a Monday morning. <laughs> what are you, what, what does this week look like for you? I need to do a couple of recordings for the website, uh, MacArthur's, the Port and Red Wine one, so I'm going to do a tasting of that. And then we've got an Ian Hunter series, batch three, which will be released next. Yeah, but I'm start to get all the stuff ready for that as well. Yeah. Going around the site, uh, oh, there's just lots of COVID-related stuff. We're hoping to start bringing people back 
there's a lot of, I guess, preparation and uh, we've got our health and safety uh, internal guy over this week to review all our risk assessments, the processes we've got in place, etc. So good to go when we start bringing people back next week. And then the Virtual Whiskey Festival next week. So there'll be a lot of discussion and preparation for that as well. So that's, the, I guess, the three key things. Well, it's been a pleasure for you to take your time out to speak to me um, and have a catch-up. Thank you very much. It, we look forward to sharing a dram with you in a proper environment uh, yes, as soon as possible. Absolutely. Yes, no, missing the catch-ups, Gordon. And we'll, we'll get it soon. We'll get it soon. We'll get there soon. Brilliant. Yeah, John, take care of yourself. Thank you for, for coming on to Whiskey Unscripted. Okay, you too, Gordon. All the best. Cheers. Cheers. Well, there you go. John Campbell. What a what a gentleman! What a, what a he's a he's a true Elick as well. If you come from Isla, you're an Elick, um, and just you know loves that brand. Great whiskey, great gentleman, and uh, yeah. And so don't be afraid of peated whiskies at all. Um, I mean, Lafroig's all about um, you know it, it does sort of say if, you know come and try us. If you don't like us, you don't like us. Smokehead very similar, not for everybody, but. Doesn't mean you should shouldn't give it a try, and in the right environment, it could be exactly what you're looking for. Great, Gordon. We've got to get this show on the roads. The A to Zs, the yeah. music's in the backgrounds. We, we did what? part one up to Glen Gyle, we're at Campbelltown. Where are you going to take us next for our A to Zs right. of G's for Glens? I'm going to take you to Glen Keith, which is in Keith and Speyside, mothballed in. 1999 and reopened in 2013 by Perna Ricard. Again, a distillery predominantly blending focused. Um, so one you may not be too familiar with. I'm going to go to just outside Edinburgh, the lowland distillery that is Glen Kinchy, just officially in Penn Caitlin's. And it is, of course, owned by Diageo. I think I get a bit of yeah. a facelift in the last couple of years as a distillery. And um, Glen Kinchy has been around for many, many years. It has. And, and was part of obviously Rosebank was the other lowland whiskey that was in that sort of same portfolio um, and Rosebank was closed actually in 1993 and I believe from what I understand it was close to one or two of those distilleries but uh, uh, Glen Kinchy uh, survived I think so yes. so there we go but we're now reopening Rosebank. However we are on to Glen Levitt so we're going to back to Ballandalach Glen Levitt there where the Spirit of Speyside Festival it was hosted by our friends at Glenlivet last year, mm. and the chairman of Pernod Ricard came on and did the speech. Gordon, you were there as well. Yes. And that, yes. Uh, as you said, is pretty close to being the world's biggest-selling Scotch single malt. Yeah, see the yeah, pretty close, uh, and a big distillery as well. Oh. There's 21 yeah. million liters, so just to put that into context, Glengoyne is one. So you can see the different sort of size of. Uh, size of Glenlivet and uh, you know some again uh, you know blazing the trail out there so well done to them. Glenlossie and Elgin Ooh, um, look, nice. again a whiskey that uh, was part of the flora and fauna releases by Diageo but usually used mainly in blending so we'll move on to Glenmorangie. Glenmorangie oh. we're up to the Tain. I've stayed at Glenmorangie house I used to love my golf played many times on Tain and Brora and Golspie and Glenmorangie the big tall top I think the tallest stills in the business Gordon. Yes, and, you know, very light style whiskey, um, lighter style because of that. Um, different water up there, but, you know, lovely part of the world. Doing a lot with um, uh, sort of uh, environmental things with oysters, and you can read all about that online. But, they, yeah, a really, really great whiskey. 
um, and some wonderful people working there as well. Glenn Murray, Glenn Murray and Elgin. Um, again, French owned now. So that was mm. bought in 2008, uh, where they increased capacity. Owned by La Martiniquez, which is a distillery that produces, or a company which produces one of the biggest blends in the world, Label 5. So they will use a lot of Glen Murray for that. Mm. But producing great single malt, finishing in different types of casks. And uh, again, really good people. Spat through a tasting by Ian Allen once. Fantastic uh Fantastic communicator, great whiskey, and uh, nice people. Number 19 in our list of Glens is Glen Ords, Muir of Ords, uh, part of the Singleton range, Gordon. And I am not too familiar, I have to say, with Glen Ord. I don't think I've ever had a glass of it. No, currently currently now part of the Singleton of Glen Ord. So Singleton is a sort of umbrella, as, as much as I understand it, an umbrella name. It's It's been out as Glen Ord... Glen Ordy, Ordy, Ord, Muir of Ord. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, again, uh, quite a unique style, but quite grassy in, in its style. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a Highland product by Diageo and quite popular in the Far East. Oh, right. Glen Rothis. Yes. Glen Rothis. So Glen Rothis is part of the Edrington Group, has been linked for many, many years with Berry Brothers and Rudd, the very famous wine retailers and merchants in London, who actually... Um, uh, actually sort of marketed it and sold it for many, many years, although the production was still owned by Edrington. Uh, now back with Edrington, um, unique bottle shape, quite a lot of sherry casks, and uh, yeah, nice, nice whiskey. Welcome back down to Campbelltown. I've got Glen Scotia, um, part of the Loch Lomond group, Glen Scotia, and mm -hmm. um, we've talked about Campbelltown being one of the major centres of whiskey production in the past, and it's mm -hmm. holding on in there. Not the most attractive of distilleries, Gordon, but Glen Scotia is in there. Absolutely. Um, Glen Spey, again, rarely seen as a single malt, but I also did appear in the Flora and Fauna range, a Diageo distillery, mainly used, again, I think, for blending. Can we do that with the Glen Burgie as well, owned by the French well, Picards? Morrishard, can you anything on Glen Burgie? Well, Glen Burgie and Glen Tockers are both owned by Perna Ricard. Ah. Component parts of Ballantines, from what I understand, yes. and actually celebrate that. And um, they were both released as a single malt version in a couple of years ago, with Ballantines on the sort of label, but as a single malt element of that uh, blend. So that is Glen Burgie and Glen Tockers. Now, the, the next one, Gordon. We have got, we're, we're going right back to 1776. You mentioned that in a previous podcast. The earliest mm. legal distillery, or Scotland's oldest distillery, is up in Creeth, mm. and it's Glen Turret. Yep. Yes, Glen Turret used to be the it was used to be owned by Edrington. Um, never a single malt you've ever seen huge amount of, not massive capacity, but actually a lot of people may have been to what was the famous Grace Experience, yes. which was at Glen Turret Distillery, um, and and but it was sold a couple of years ago to Lalique, uh, who are the famous sort of glass producers, sort of decanter producers who've worked very closely with McAllen. They bought that recently and they've sort of relaunched the range. So that is Glen Turret, but Scotland's oldest distillery. That's what's a lovely one. Finally, we've got Glen Wyvis and Dingwall, mm -hmm. who are um, just started up in 2015, sort of parts, private park community projects. And I think it's the first uh, distillery in Dingwall, and I know the golf course, since 1926. Glen Weavis or Wyvis. There we go. So, and that is our list of blends. We'll have missed one, obviously. Oh, exactly. 
That's 26 so, Glens to celebrate our A to Z's reaching G. Well done, Gordon. Haven't we done well? Haven't we done well? So, so there we go. Um, yeah, lots of different stories, lots of different things. What I love is just driving through Speyside particularly and seeing names of distilleries that you're just, you don't hear or see very much of at all because they're used to to power and supply that blended market that everybody is drinking worldwide. Well, I think it's Alex. I'm exhausted, God. I'm reaching for my whiskey right now. I am exhausted my, as well. My, my smokehead, we've done Isla, we've done, done the whole we've country with the Glens. The I think it's time just to repair and relax and refresh. Absolutely. <laughs> we hope everybody's enjoyed this uh, episode. We'll be back with episode eight. And uh, yeah, it's been great Every fun. 60%. Great. Oh, me... What was that? That was my battery. Hang on. <laughs> That's how long we've been talking.